Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. I know I can lead men. I know I know the game of football and I'm passionate about it. I spent 14 years in a locker room. I went to the playoffs 12 times. I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that I play with. You don't think I've seen greatness? Welcome back to 1% Better. Zach Kiefer joined by James Boyd. Late night, not a lot of sleep. Tuesday morning, Colts fell again last night in very similar fashion. 24-17. to to the Pittsburgh Steelers, their eighth straight loss to the Steelers. James, their fifth loss in their last six games, the one being Las Vegas, the one win Jeff Saturday's first. Felt like they came back to life last night for most of the game, at least. They looked like the team we'd seen most of the season. Terrible first half, terrible first half. The boos would have been louder if there weren't so many terrible towels and so many Steelers fans in attendance. They played better in the third quarter, had a chance to win, and what happened? They blew it late. We will get into the clock management. We will get into Jeff Saturday's explanation. When you were walking out of the stadium last night covering another narrow loss, what was going through your mind? This is the same team. It kind of felt like deja vu, talking to you, talking to Bob about what we were going to ride and the different angles. And we're joking about, hey, it's pretty much the same story that it's been in, in jokes aside. It really is. It feels like the offense was struggling for most of the night. The defense had some moments, but gave up a touchdown they probably shouldn't have. And here we are again. So that's my feeling. I do think that there is some more reality being set in about Jeff Saturday and maybe the miracles that he couldn't work. Because, again, you know, you felt great. Or at least the fans did after they beat the Raiders. You, I think more than it was like a sugar yeah, I was gonna high. Say, you, you know, it just lasts for about fifteen yeah, minutes. You, you mentioned it probably more so than anyone. Hey, this is the Raiders. They're a bad team. You know, don't get too high. Whatever, Zach. You know, that's a win. Winning is all that matters in this league. Yes, that is still true. Two weeks later, after two straight losses, Philadelphia obviously was a a different type of game, just because they're one of the best teams in the league. But last night, you're facing one, another one of the worst teams in the league, and it just felt like you're going to find a way to lose, and that's what bad teams do. Third straight blown fourth quarter lead at home. The Commanders, the Eagles, the Steelers, you can make a very good case that they should have won all three, but that's not who they are. And we're done trying to dance around the fact that, you know, I wrote this last night, they do have an identity. You know, we looked all season for who this team really is, and this is who they are. This is exactly who they are. They didn't get a single freaking yard of offense in the first quarter. They had zero net yards, and that's that's an alarming stat, right, James? No, it's not, because it happened three weeks ago <laughs> in New England. They had negative passing yards they in the first quarter. My goodness. Should have had an interception on the first play. They had one on the second play. They allowed three sacks. That pushes their total up to 43. Their first completion of the game didn't happen until seven minutes left in the first half. They didn't cross midfield until about five and a half minutes left in the first half. Just an absolutely abysmal first half from a team. And I went back to Jeff Saturday's comments a couple days ago. He's like, look, Pittsburgh Steelers, Monday Night Football, only game on. 
what else do you need for motivation? Eight, you know, seven game losing streak to this team. They came out and and played exactly like they had in so many situations this year. That's unbelievably disappointing for this team. They're not tanking, at least not outwardly, but for them to just play so flat and to look so bad offensively. I just, honestly, I feel bad for the fans. And you guys that are watching this, you guys are the real ones because this offense is almost hopeless to me. And just one quick thing, and I'll let you get back to, you know, your beautiful soliloquy. But, you know, to that point about the not completing a pass until 7.05 of the second quarter, According to ESPN Stats and Info, that's the latest into a game for a team's first completion since the 2020 Broncos. They are forced to use wide receiver Kendall Hinton as the QB due to COVID. And then they had another stat that didn't make the rounds as much as this one, but it was like the Colts now own the two longest droughts to start a game without a completion this season as they went without a completion until 741 of the second quarter in week nine at the Patriots. And like you said, what did that feel like? It felt like the Patriots game early on. So let's get back to it. But those two stats, reading those out loud and and kind of doing a double take, like, wow, you have to go back to 2020 when they were playing a guy who was not a quarterback to see how badly the offense Yeah, that's because the the QB room was wiped out with COVID like the day before the game. My goodness. The sad thing is nobody's hurt on offense. Like, maybe you could make an argument for Kylan Granson, who was sick, but, like, they're they're healthy. Like, their line is healthy. Their quarterback's back. Their receivers are healthy. And they still can't get a completed pass. You guys that are watching these games every week, you guys are the real ones because this is ugly football. And I don't know if I've ever covered a worse offense. And I covered the 19th season, and that was better than this. And I covered the 17th season, and both of those had built-in excuses, right? Jacoby Brissett was stepping in for an injured Andrew Luck or a retired Andrew Luck. This is what the Colts built, and we'll get into all of that in the coming weeks and months, but this is what the Colts banked on this season, this offense, and it's one of the worst in the league. It's absolutely abysmal. It's inexcusable. It starts with the GM. The owner has his hands dirty as well. Frank Reich didn't get it done, and Jeff Saturday, you know, the juice lasted for a game, maybe a game and a half against the Eagles, but, but they felt like they hit reality last night it felt like they were exactly where they were a month ago and that's really where there's no hope to find but they played better in the third quarter they had a chance to win late and here's what happened they get down into Pittsburgh territory with the two-minute warning they've got a fourth and three the ball gets tipped Michael Pittman makes a great catch plus four they burn five seconds so with 135 left here's where it all starts to go wrong Bernard Ryman the left tackle gets burned. They always give up sacks in really big moments. So they're facing a second and 17. They lose about 40 seconds of clock. They don't take a timeout here. That's the that's the surprising part, but it gets worse. So from there, a broken play. Matt Ryan runs 14 yards. I thought it was more like 15 or 16. It was a bad I spot. I thought so too. Yeah, that was weird. They don't call a timeout here. And this is my problem with it. And and this is not the only place they lost this game. But this is bad clock management, in my opinion. Joe Buck's on the telecast saying, now they have to take a timeout here, I would imagine. And Troy Aikman's reacting to them not taking a timeout. And he's saying, wow. (laughs) So essentially, they waste 45 seconds. Here's what the Colts' explanation was. They're facing a third and three. They've got all three timeouts. Jeff Saturday says... We liked our third down play. We knew what we were going to run. And even if we called a timeout, we weren't going to change it. They run that third down play. Jelani Woods is one-on-one against a linebacker who knew what was going to happen. Highsmith say later, you knew how they lined up. You knew what was going to happen. You knew it was going to be a run. He blew up the play. Jonathan Taylor did a good job just to get back to the line of scrimmage. Wasted play. Have to burn a timeout. You're facing a fourth and three. You're one of the worst fourth down teams in the league. And honestly, this is the surprising part. The fourth down play could have worked if Ryman hadn't gotten beat. Again, Matt Ryan had to throw a moving away from his body. Incomplete, they lose. That's a long-winded way to say they blew it in crunch time with poor clock management. They saved their timeouts for reasons I don't understand. A day later, James, what do you say and how do you respond to the Colts' approach and how it unfolded? It just didn't make very much sense to me. That's my biggest takeaway. I just don't understand the explanation of it. 
you know, he kept saying we felt like we were in pretty good shape and felt like we had, you know, plenty of time. And I'm like, you don't, though. You're not at the five, not at the ten. I could buy that if they're at the eight or the yeah, seven. Yeah, but I'm like. But this offense can't get easy yards. Exactly. So it felt like you should at least just give yourself enough time to get your bearings and, and not waste a play, basically, because obviously that came back to bite you. And then you're on fourth down and you're forced to throw and you throw it to Paris Campbell, who's, you know, covered well. I know people were kind of clamoring for the pass interference call. I was fine with the no call just because I felt like objectively overall, it wasn't really, you know, a, a defensive pass interference. But um, even bigger than that, it was just it felt like it would have been a bailout call for a poor decision. So I don't think that he should be like, you know, killed for not using his timeouts. However, like any, you know, NFL head coach, you're going to get criticism, and rightfully so. That, in my opinion, was objectively the worst decision. I know that some of the arguments I've heard were like, you know, you don't want to leave enough time for, you know, the Pittsburgh to possibly, you know, use their timeouts to come back down to score. Whatever the case may be, you're trying to, you know, tie the game at the very least and win it. You know, I would, I thought, I think they probably would have went for two. I would have went for two. I mean, yeah, a couple of players told me that. I think they. You've seen two. it, you know, throughout the season. I would have liked to see yeah, him try. exactly. And at this point in the season, let's be honest, like you're not gonna win very many games, so just go for the win. But yeah, that was my biggest takeaway. Was like, as much as I respect Jeff Saturday, the answer just didn't make sense. And even, I don't know, twelve hours later, how many hours it is now? Ten hours later, it still doesn't make any sense now. He didn't budge. He said this a couple times. We asked him a bunch of different ways, you know, what went into the thinking. Here's Jeff Saturday. I thought we had plenty of time. I wasn't really concerned. We still had time out, so I wasn't too concerned. I really wanted to, I, you know, when he was going down, I couldn't tell where they were going to start him from going down, right? Like if he was going to get the first down and then we got there, I expect this to get on the ball and be and have another play a little bit quicker than that. But again, it wasn't a, this wasn't a press for time. We just didn't make enough plays. I wasn't pressed for time. That doesn't make sense to me. You are pressed for time because you're running out of time. So, again, and this is the other thing, and, I, and maybe I'm, you know, get on my soapbox a little bit. I understand that games are not won and lost on like one play or one decision. However, this is the big leagues, man. Like those are the plays that are gonna get reviewed and ridiculed, and and I guess hindsight twenty twenty, like you know, looked at. Because they 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 matter. I don't care what anybody says. Like, yes, this play in the first quarter might have changed the trajectory of the game, but when the game's in the line, you have to be able to think clearly and, and and kind of, you know, make those calls and make those checks. And I just felt like he didn't in that moment. But again, I'm not gonna, you know, put it all on him because I just think that, you know, regardless of who the coach is, who the play caller is who the quarterback is. You had this line in your story, so I'm, you know, I'm plagiarizing you right now. I mean, <laughs> they're the same team. So I, I'm not like upset about it. I think I just know now more than ever. And I think they know it too. Like I stuck around after the game um, and waited for Jonathan Taylor. I was the only one there. And I asked him about the frustration. And he was just saying like, you know, he was like, this one just, you know, sucks. Cause we were, you know, he said, it's just, this one hurts the most and he would never say it publicly, but I think that all of them know that was a nail in the coffin. All the talk about playoff hopes or turning this thing around or there's so much season left or surge. No, now you're, you're playing for your opportunity to remain on a team remain in the NFL. Obviously the star players, you're not you know too worried about your stats in the league, but however, I think all things are now on the table as far as the future of this team, just because of how badly the season has gone. And I think that, with the changes we've seen and kind of experienced ourselves as beat writers, nothing's off the table at this point. So guys should be, honestly, if you're not playing for anything else, but your your livelihood in this league or, or your ability to stay with this team and whatever else, because changes are going to be made. If, if that's one thing I learned last night, it is that changes, perhaps drastic changes, are going to be made at some point, you know, whether it's personnel, you know, up top. Uh, and, and players, whatever, changes are going to be made. So players are definitely, no matter if they admit it or not, they're going to be thinking about that more and more as the weeks go on. Changes need to be made. Oh, they yes. They need to be yes. made. Absolutely yes. everything should be on the table. After this game, after the, the week, the month, the games we've watched this season. But to go back to the, to the third down call, I have a lot of issues with it, and here's why. A coach's fundamental job is to put his players in the best position to succeed. 
And I don't think the Colts did that last night. And it's really hard for me to blame Jeff Saturday or Parks Frazier for this because neither of them should be in the situation that they're in. That is on people that are higher than them. But that's the situation. And look, Mike McCarthy's been a coach for 20 years in this league, and he still makes bad clock management. Andy Reid does it. Like, it's not just because it's Jeff Saturday's third game. And if that was his approach, that they wanted to run the hurry up, that's fine. I get it. Here's why I disagree with that. One, you put Jelani Woods against a linebacker. Jelani Woods was not drafted to block. He's not a good blocker. He had a great day catching the ball last night. But that's putting Jelani Woods in a position to fail. Secondly, the second down was a busted play that had Matt Ryan running for 14 yards. He got them into a third and short. But the offense was a mess. The offense was jumbled up. And I think it needed a reset. I think it really needed a reset. And maybe if you call that timeout there, you can see 80 on Highsmith and you can say, we're getting him the hell out of the game and we're getting Mo Ali Cox in there, which at least gives you a better chance. If you watch the replay, which I'm sure a lot of you will, Jelani Woods barely got an arm on him. I mean, barely got an arm on him. So that's part of my issue with it. Another factor in this is, is Jonathan Taylor is not the Colts two-minute back. I don't have a huge problem with this because he's their best player, but Zach Moss is their two-minute back, or Deion Jackson has been their two-minute back. And, you know, we said we asked this very question last week to Jeff Saturday, and he didn't hesitate. He said, Deion Jackson's our two-minute guy. And I don't have a problem with Jonathan Taylor being in there because he's such a good player. But again, when he was in there, Highsmith made it very clear after the game, but the way that Jelani Woods set up, the way the Colts lined up, they knew it was going to be run. They knew it. And you could tell by the way Highsmith got off the line. Watch the Colts receivers. Go back and watch the film and watch the Colts receivers. None of them even ran route. Like, everybody knew it was going to be run, including the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's why they knew they blew it up. And the other thing, the other thing that I feel pretty strongly about is the offensive line needed to catch its breath. They needed to catch its breath. Bernard Ryman, who gave up a pressure on first down and then on fourth down, they needed a reset. And, and I get they're going hurry up. But hurry up doesn't work if the opponent knows exactly what you're going to do. And that's my problem. I think you call a timeout there. I'm not buying the notion that they were worried about the Steelers going 85, 75 yards in 30 seconds. It's Kenny Pickett, for God's sake. It's not Josh Allen. It's not Patrick Mahomes. It's not Lamar Jackson. You need to find a way to score. And again, going back to your point earlier, it's one thing to let the clock burn if you're inside the 10 and you feel like you're going to score. This offense scrapes for every single yard it can get. And they're one play away from a seven-yard loss on a sack any play they have as well. So they were on the 25-27. That doesn't mean seven. That doesn't mean a touchdown's coming. They needed to get closer. I like using those timeouts to help you. They didn't do that, and I just feel like Jeff Saturday screwed this up. I didn't like the explanation later, and I just feel like they could have won this game. Matt Ryan could have called a timeout. I'm not excusing him. Parks Frazier could have called a timeout. Jeff Saturday could have called a timeout. I get that they like their third down play, and it's easy for me to say from the press box that it didn't work out in hindsight, but it's just another example of the Colts. You know, I talked to a lot of players in the locker room. Like, they just find ways to lose games. That's just what they do this season, and these guys are over it, and they got five games left, and I don't think they win more than one of them. No, I don't think so either. I actually picked them to, you know, finish with five wins. So two wins under Saturday, which is still, I guess, on par because I felt like the Raiders game, the Steelers game and the Texans game are the only ones where they have a legitimate chance to probably win. As you know, and everyone should know, you know, with Cowboys and what is it? Vikings and Chargers. If you beat any of those teams, it will be obviously an upset just because of what those teams are trying to do to make the playoffs and where the Colts are going, which is away from the playoffs. Here's what they got. Go ahead. Dallas is eight and three. Minnesota's nine and two. The Chargers are six and five. The Giants are seven and four. Four straight games against winning teams that will be fighting for playoff position. Exactly. And again, this feels like a team where, and you hear this phrase a lot, especially in NFL, you know, this, the margin for error is so small in this league. The margin for error with the Colts is can it be smaller than zero? Just because I feel like with this offense, yeah, yeah, I'm like, I feel like they have to be nearly perfect. And then they also have to get a bunch of breaks just to have a chance. I to almost win. felt like, I mean, what was the break last night? It was Dallas Flowers, 89 exactly. yard touchdown or, or return. Like if they could do that every drive, they might have a shot. Yeah. And you know what? I, you know, he, he sets him up and then Jonathan Taylor, 
you know, uh, actually, I believe that was on a different draw. I'm sorry, but they scored on that one. Yes, but on the, let's get into the fumble. But you know, the a few drives later, Jonathan Taylor at the one yard line. Him and Matt Ryan fumbled the exchange. Now it officially gets listed as Matt Ryan's fumble. So that was his 12th of the season. He ended up with 13 because he had another fumble later in the game when he got stressed Asked Matt about it. He didn't run away from it. He just took the blame. I think it was on JT. I don't think Matt could have done anything different. Do you agree? I completely agree. I am not a football expert by any means. I just rewatched the game and, you know, rewatched the plays like everyone else. However, I watched that one over and over, and it looked like a normal exchange from Matt Ryan. And it looked like Jonathan Taylor just alligator armed it. So, again, I stuck around, spoke to him after the game because I figured, hey, you're you're arguably the best player on the team. You should be talking to us about the game, period. And also, if you mess up like that, I just feel like you got to face the music. Not in a mean way. I just mean I, I'm genuinely want to, curious, like, okay, do, what happened on this play? Here's what he said in full. Because I asked, and this is how my question was phrased, so everyone knows. I said, can you explain the fumble at the one-yard line between you and Matt was it your fault or his? JT says, we just got to get that executed. Definitely got to look at the film tonight just to see if there's anything I could have done better. I'm sure there was. I'm sure he'll look at it too and say, hey, maybe I could have done this. But in that area down there by the goal line, we both got to find a way. We both, we got to execute that down there. We're too close to the end zone not to have that executed. What does that sound like to you, Zach? I mean, JT's a great player, but... I'll be honest. It felt like I didn't learn yeah, anything. I just felt like sure. it was just words being said that really didn't mean much. I do get the I have to watch the film angle of some of the answers because some like there's a football is a long game. There's a lot of plays, and sometimes you actually do have to go back if you get in the weeds and certain things. Like okay, I do have to go back and look at that. However, I'm asking you about a blatant fumble. Sometimes you don't need to look on at a routine film. play that you've probably done everybody you know, millions of times. Everybody at home watching. Exactly. And I'll be honest, it did feel like it was JT's fault and he just didn't own it. So that was a little weird to me. Again, maybe I'm missing something. I would love an explanation. But quite frankly, we asked and we didn't really get one. You know, it's just the usual. We got to watch film. That's the <laughs> epitome of their season, man. It's like you you take two steps forward. You know, you take four or five back just because yeah i wrote last night one step forward two <laughs> steps back i like yours better though four or five i mean that, that, that's this team man and it just felt like okay how are they gonna find a way to lose this game and it is disheartening i know zaire was talking about how it feels like groundhog day you know it's like the same thing over and over Dude, he spoke to the team he fired him up you're saying the we're asking the same questions. They're giving the same answers. We're writing the same story. Yeah. You guys out there are watching the same game. Exactly. And it is, it's, it's hard to not ask the same questions and not expect the same answers. But I do think that now we're starting to get just more just unbridled, you know, disappointment at this point. Like there's, I don't really think there was much hope left in that locker room. I'll be honest. Um, I do think that the guys are going to still try. They, they played hard. I don't, I don't really doubt effort in football games and stuff. Let me know what you think about this. So the Jeff Saturday experiment is three games old, and he gave them some juice. I think everybody out there would agree they, they played hard in Vegas. They played hard against the Eagles. They played hard last they night. They played hard in the third quarter last night, right? Like, he's given them something, and there's something to be said for that. But that runs out. That runs its course. This league is not about pregame speeches. It's not about juice. A lot of it, a lot of it, because everybody is good and every team has talent, is tactical. It's schematic. Execution. Why does Andy Reid win every year? Why does Belichick win almost every year? Coaching wins in this league more than most other professional leagues. Um, and the Jeff Saturday juice seemed to run out last night. And they need a coach to fix this. They need a coach to fix this. And I'm not making the campaign that Frank Reich should have stayed because clearly that last game in New England looked hopeless on offense. And and they need a coach to fix this offense. And it's not getting fixed this year. And Jeff Saturday was never going to be a miracle worker. And that's why I can't hold this against him because he was brought in to yell at these guys. And he did, and it worked for a little bit. But the reality is... This team is fatally flawed. Like, I f really believe that. And I got pushback on that when I wrote that a couple weeks ago. But the left tackle position has buried this offense. It has buried this offense. Yes. They're not much better along the rest of the line. They're not 
Ryan Kelly included, Quentin Nelson, Will Fries. Braden Smith played well last night against T.J. Watt. Shout out to Braden Smith. But uh, he's maybe been their best blocker this year, certainly in the run game. But this team is fatally flawed. And, and Jeff Saturday's arrival was fun and different, and we wrote about it, and the players like him, and they respect him. But they needed a coach to come in and fix this broken scheme, and that's not going to happen. Here's my counterpoint to that a little bit. It does not matter who coaches them. It could be Andy Reid, Bill Belichick. You know, you can get Vince Lombardi <laughs> to come back. Like, they just aren't good enough. And I think that's the hardest pill to swallow when you give as much as you do. Because, again, I do believe these guys are trying. They care. Uh, I don't think you go out there and put your they body do. on the line. We like see we it do. in the locker yeah, room. Like, the locker room doesn't like, lie. We they can care. Tell. And I don't, mean the, I don't mean the cliche quotes. We can tell yeah. if these guys are in or not. And they, they're still exactly. in. But, but they're just not I Good. think that there is a lot of soul searching right now. You realize like, wow, like we've done everything. We've changed a bunch of stuff and we just aren't good enough. So let me ask you this QB situation for the future. What does that look like? Because, you know, yeah, everything's on if the they win, a, if they, you know, win a, another game or two, that doesn't exactly help your draft stock, but also doesn't help your playoff chances. You know, Matt Ryan's got another year, year on his deal. Playoff chances. There's you know? the Jim Mora. That was like an unintended Jim Mora. I'm so tired of hearing about the playoffs. There's, there's no I promise chance. I mean, but um, I'm just saying, like, seriously, like, you're kind of in no man's land. So, so Zach, where do you go yeah, that's a for problem. a quarterback of the future? If you could, because now, you know, that, that Raiders win, which seems so great when it happened. And again, I'm not going to take anything away from guys going out there and trying to win. I think you should try to win in everything in life. However, that might come back to bite you as a franchise if you're not able to get up higher in the draft. So wh where do they go from here, Zach? Like, they're in no man's land, man. What what happens? Who's yeah, going to be the quarterback the next problem. year? This is the problem. And you're, you're, the former team you covered, the Pacers, lived this for 20 years maybe. I don't know how long it was without a, first, a, a top 10 pick. As of today, Colts are picking 14th. Now, I expect that to improve. And by improve, I mean move into the 12, 11, 10, 9 spot, whatever. Because they play the Cowboys and the Vikings and the Chargers and the Giants, and they're going to lose most of those games. They might not win another game until the January 8th finale against Houston. And again, they tied Houston in September, so there's no guarantee they win that one either, which seems like 25 years ago, right, when we covered that week one game, that tie in Houston. I did talk to an NFL scout last week, and he's not with the Colts, and I was asking him, like, where do you need to be if you need a quarterback this year? And he said, you got to be in the top 10. As of now, the Colts are not in the top 10. Now, we've seen teams move up. We've seen teams make trades to climb into those positions. There's going to be some teams at the top that need quarterbacks. That's the reality. It starts with Houston, who probably is going to get the first pick. And there's a couple others that need quarterbacks that are probably going to be looking for one. So you're going to have to make some moves, and that's not something this team has done. But I think it's so obvious. It's so obvious they do not have an answer at the most important position on the field. Whether Matt Ryan comes back or not doesn't answer the question, does he play next year? Because his his cap hit is prohibitive. They're, they owe him $18 million whether he's on the team or not. You know, Do you keep him to mentor a young guy? Do you keep him to play? I don't know. But Matt Ryan was not good last night. And it's sort of this weird roller coaster with Matt Ryan this season. He's usually pretty bad in the beginning. He was really bad last night. Oh, for his first six. Again, they didn't get a completion until six minutes were left in the first half. And then he gets hot late, and you kind of start to believe if they protect a little bit, maybe he can get it done. And then his left tackle gets blown up in crunch time, and they fumble again. But James, 21 turnovers this season. 21 lost turnovers this season. That's tied for the most in football. That's an earmark of a terrible football team. You continually find ways to lose games. This team does it in crunch time. Jeff Saturday said he's not making a quarterback change. My question at this point, why the hell not Nick Foles? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I can make a case for and against all three, uh, and I'm just too tired to make a case. Just, I don't know. I mean, does it change much? I do feel like... I, it's Matt's yeah, team. Roll with Matt to the I end. I do feel like that Nick Foles, to a certain extent, has been given like the worst circumstance out of anyone to be honest i haven't even spoken to we spoke to him that one time after the first qb change to kind of gauge how he was dealing with everything and even then we didn't really get much insight but i mean if you would have told him you know to kind of quote reggie wayne (laughs) if you'd have told him this would be like his role coming into the season this is how things would have gone this season does he come to Indianapolis? Like as much as he loved Frank Reich at the time, I mean, this has got to be, you know, probably one of the most miserable seasons of his career just because where is, I mean, it seems like everything, every stone has been flipped. He came here to be the backup and then he was moved to third string and then he was a backup to Sam. And then he was third. string. It's just like, he's got to be wondering what the heck did I sign up for? But he's been a pro about it to his credit. To your point about Matt Ryan, he he's just still a turnover machine. He does look like a statue back there. And, you know, watching Kenny Pickett, and I was joking with Bob about this, and I was like, man, Bob, we're going to see a quarterback ever again that can't run. Because even though Penny, Kenny Pickett isn't that great of a quarterback, he made some plays out there simply because he was just more athletic and could just – you could do a QB draw. You you know, if you drop back too far, he could just run and get a first down. I mean, Matt Ryan, to his credit <laughs> – had that, you know, that run against the Raiders. And he had a, a pretty decent one last night to set him up on that third and two, third and three. But it just feels like the future. We're, it, it looks like we're looking at the future. Even if it, even if Kenny Pickett isn't the guy long-term for Pittsburgh, it's like that prototype of quarterback is yeah. what's going to be the future. The league's going that way. Yeah, exactly. And so that was pretty rough, I guess, to, to, to see or maybe a rough, rough thing for Matt Ryan to accept. And then another one is like, you know, he's got 11 touchdown passes, 10 interceptions, 13 fumbles, four lost, really 12 fumbles because of JT. I get it. Statistically, it goes down is Matt Ryan's fumble. And I guess that's why you watch the game. That is JT's fault, in my opinion. But still, like that amount of turnovers or at least just, you know, because he didn't lose all the fumbles, but just that amount of ball insecurity is just unheard of. Like I could have never imagined that he would be this bad like i mean you you just expect a fumble or interception whenever he's back there quarterback you just pencil it in it's such a different ride than it was last year because if you go back 12 months this is when the colts were getting really hot they went to buffalo and they rolled them they absolutely beat them to a pulp and they beat the patriots for the first time in a long time and they went to arizona and they were ravaged by covid and they still won with guys like ej speed starting and and Carson made that great throw, and then it just hasn't been the same since. And I was having a, 
a really long conversation with Julian Blackman late last night about about sort of everything, about tanking and about being a pro. And he's like, look, I can't talk for everybody else, but I'm going to give it everything I have those last five games because I don't know how long I'm going to be in this league. I don't take that for granted. And that's the right thing to say, and that's the right approach. But I said, Julian, where did this all go wrong? Because in, in August, it didn't feel like this was coming. And he's like, it never felt right from the start. Houston, they, this, they just they weren't right. Jacksonville in week two. And then the circus has just followed every single week. And Moelle Cox was like, dude, bef- besides Jacksonville and New England, every game we've had has been so tense and so tight. And most of them have been one-score games, if not all, besides the one loss to the Titans where JT fumbled late. But my point in saying all of that is the emotional toll on this team is real. And all the stuff that's happened, all the stuff we've written about, all the stuff you guys have followed along with is taking its toll on this team. They make the quarterback switch. They fire Marcus Brady. They trade Naheem Hines. They fire Frank Reich, who they love, and they stun the locker room and bring in Jeff Saturday. And they win that game in Vegas. And they lose another heartbreaker to the Eagles. They've lost four one-score games this season, three in a row at home. And I think that's wearing them down. But to go back to a simple football reason, I don't think I've ever covered a season that's been more identifiable in what went wrong. Every single thing that's wrong with this team, every single thing goes back to one thing, the underperformance of the offensive line. It's everything. You go back to the fourth. Why didn't the fourth down work? Because Matt Ryan had to run to his left because Ryman got blown up and Paris Campbell was open. And I think he makes that catch, but... Go back and watch the tape and you'll see why were they in second and 17 because Matt Ryan got blown up on a sack and these turnovers are on Matt Ryan, but they're also at the root of everything is this offensive line that has completely undermined this entire season. And it's really hard to figure out what went wrong. We've been trying to do this for four months. So much of it rests on Chris Bowers. I was just going to say like that guy. So much of it does. We will get into all of this when the season's over. I know that's how a lot of you guys out there listening feel. It's absolutely inexcusable to start the season with the left tackle that they did. And then to try and fix we it. We had this conversation. I remember when I first, you know, took on the job, joined and kind of got the lay of the land. I was like, hey, man, he's banking on a lot of guys who haven't done it before to do it all together at once. In a sense, that's the league. You never really know. You don't ever have a perfect roster, but you can't. For lack of a better term, you can't fuck around with that position. You cannot do it. You cannot do it at left tackle. And they did it and it paid. They paid dearly for it. So that's on Ballard. My other point is, like, how much is Brian Kelly's regression on Chris Ballard and, and Quentin yeah, Nelson? I agree. And, and like and the right guard certainly is. So, you know, that's that's nuanced and I get that, but that's on Chris Strasser and that's on Frank Reich and that's on Chris Ballard as well. But that undermined everything they were trying to do. And Matt Ryan is never going to overcome that. He's not at the stage of his career where he's going to overcome the flaws around him. He was supposed to be a part of the solution. When it all breaks down, you're seeing what you see. Like you said, 10 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 12 or 13 fumbles, depending on how you want to grade it. But that's not going to change. And and we were right. Like we were right in September when we said it doesn't feel like it's going to flip. It doesn't feel like they're going to turn it around and save the season and go on this miracle win streak And the sad thing is the Colts thought they were. They went out and fired Frank Reich and pulled Jeff Saturday off a TV set thinking he was going to pull a miracle out of his hat. The problem is this roster is so deeply flawed that nobody, like you said, Saban, Belichick, Vince Lombardi, no one's going to fix this. No one's going to fix this. And we got five games to go, and then we're going to start to get some real answers. So to kind of pivot away from, I guess, all the that (laughs) – I did catch up with Jelani Woods after the game. Had a career day. <laughs> Hard right? pivot. Hard pivot. You know, and and it was and then we had talked about this. Those of you who don't know, two of the three Virginia football players that were um killed recently on campus, shot and killed by allegedly by another former player. Um, two of those three were Jelani's former teammates. And one of them, the other one he still knew just because they both had connected when that guy transferred to Virginia. Those who don't know, Jelani transferred to Virginia as well, had a breakout season, ended up, you know, going to the Colts, yada, yada, yada. So we had tried to speak to him previously about it and not in a 
malicious way. It was just too soon, I guess. And he was like, you know, I just can't can't do it right now. Last night, he felt a lot more secure about his feelings, how he wanted to express them. So I spoke to him about, you know, some super high highs and some super low lows, you know, as far as last night he had eight catches for 98 yards, career highs for both. And believe it or not, I didn't actually realize that till this morning. The catches and the yards are more than all the other weeks combined that, that he had all the games, other games he had played. Now, he missed two games due to a shoulder thing, but I spoke to him about the three young men. You know, their names are Lavelle Davis Jr., Deshaun Perry, and De- Devin Chandler. Lavelle and Deshaun were uh, Jelani's teammates. Chandler, uh, Devin Chandler was the one he connected with about transferring to Virginia. And of all the quotes that I heard from him about, you know, the tragedy, how he dealt with it and everything, the one that stuck with me and and really kind of, you know, I put it in my story and it's it's in the lead. And, you know, I see my guys in my dreams. And I think your dreams tell you a lot about subconsciously what you're thinking about and what's weighing on you. And like the way I kind of contrasted and the way we talked about it was like, you know, he's living out this dream in in some sense where, you know, early this season, he caught a game when he touched down pass from the quarterback he grew up watching. He's in the NFL, you know, he's playing on Monday night football. And then the other dreams that he's having when he leaves and the, and the lights are gone and whatever else, and it gets dark is he's, he's being reminded subconsciously of like what he's actually dealing with and how hard that is. He mentioned uh, David Thornton, the uh, Colt staffer who consoled him after, you know, everything that happened, he found out when things kind of jumped off unofficially. And then when things were confirmed and he found out that, you know, these guys were gone he said he came to the Colts facility the next day and just broke down crying, you know, and, and DT, as he refers to him as, you know, grabbed him, hugged him and just talked to him for hours about dealing with tragedy and stuff like that. And so I asked him, you know, a lot of questions about how do you want them to be remembered? And he was, you know, reminiscent about how, you know, him and Lavelle would argue about who ran the better routes and how Deshaun was this quiet dude who he, you know, would would mock and make fun of and 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 they would joke and back and forth and, and eventually they became really good friends. They were locker buddies. You know, he talked about Devin and how Devin reached out to him after he had transferred, like, hey man, I see what you're doing. You used your one season to, you know, blow up and go to the NFL. Like, I want to be just like that. And so it felt like despite all the chaos of this season, and particularly that game, that was a really human, you know, conversation. And the one thing I, I didn't even mention in the story because you just, you know, can't put enough, you know, can't write forever, I guess. But the one thing I want to just mention, I guess for anybody listening on a more serious note, seriously, Jelani was saying how important it was for him to actually talk to someone and to reach out to someone. And he was, you know, he was like, it's kind of, you know, ironic or fitting that we had this kicking the stigma night, you know, because he mental health. And he said, I've done studies for it in college. He said, I'm really big about it. And he said, I cannot tell you how important it was to actually like, talk even if i didn't want to do it publicly before i want to talk to the media or whatever he's like i had to talk i had to find someone because he was like yeah we're football players you get told like you're supposed to be tough and you want to carry on he said obviously you know everyone you know you want to kind of turn it into a tribute you want to carry this on you want to be good you want to be you know play well you want to dedicate this to your friends but he's like at the end of the day he was like man i'm never gonna see them again in kind of way. And he's like, that's, that's a hard, you know, forever is a long time. That's a hard pill to swallow. And so we had a great conversation about it, about not, you know, obviously a tragedy, but as far as how he handled it and just, he was saying, if there's anything he could tell anyone out there, he's like, you know, make sure you are actually talking or seeking out help or looking for support. Cause he was like, man, he said, you think you can be strong. And then he said, there's moments where you're just like, I just ain't got it. And so he said, even though he was out with the shoulder injury, it took him those two weeks kind of rehab his shoulder also his mind just to get ready to play and he said after he dropped that first pass he was kind of in his head he said when he caught the second one and kind of started this like you know breakout day he was like yeah i kind of remember it in in the last quote that i'll leave you with and he was saying he was like yeah these guys helped me get to the league like they were the ones motivating me encouraging me pushing me every day and he said at the end you know he's like it's a it's a different feeling and he was talking about the grief that he's kind of dealing with he said, but once I caught that ball, you know, in an in-game situation, he said, you know, it was time to roll. He said, you're, you're reminded, like, you're Jelani Woods. Be Jelani Woods. Be the player they always believed you could be. And so that was like, I was thinking, like, all right, you know, you're leaving the stadium after all this stuff. That was on my mind a lot just because, you know, everyone out there has probably lost somebody to certain some extent. And so I just wanted to make that point clear. 
Lonnie, you know, he's in a good headspace. He's getting great support. But at the end of the day, he's also still grieving, you know, throughout such a unique season. And he did say this is the first time in his life, Zach, that he's ever dealt with like tragedy of that magnitude that close to home. Like he was like, I've never lost anybody like a parent or a sibling or whatever, like or, you know, loved one or like that really was that close. He's like, these guys were my brothers. He was like, blood couldn't change it. And so no, I'm talking a lot about that, but I did want to mention that because I felt like it was important to not, you know, forget that these guys are dealing with a lot of things. And Jonathan Taylor had a great quote about it after the game. After we talked about the fumble and the loss, he was like, in regards to Donnie Woods, he was like, people kind of forget, like, and think that money can just solve everything. And he was like, really, a lot of it gets, a lot of what you're going through, what you go through gets, I guess, more attention, more spotlight because of who you are and the money you make. And he was like, at the end of the day, you know, obviously money can't buy a life back and th things like that. So real conversation, very transparent. Hats off to Jelani Woods. I think he's an outstanding young man. And, uh, you know, he basically was saying, like, whenever I step on the field, it's going to be for my guys. But even beyond that, he was like, I'm going to represent Virginia, my friends, my guys as best as I can. And I feel like that was uh, an important message to kind of get across and not forget about. So, yeah, that was uh, – and, and one more quick thing, Rodney McLeod, to talk to him as well about it. Didn't include him in the story, but he was saying, like, you know, another – former Virginia player, he was like, yeah, I, you know, he wore the shoes and the shirt and he was just saying like, you know, something's got to change, man. He was like, we, we keep losing people and, and things are happening. And he was like, these are the moments where you kind of, you know, kind of have to draw back and be like, wow, this is kind of fleeting, you know, this life we're living. And so, yeah, man, it was uh, quite the conversation, quite the story. I encourage you all to check it out along with everything else we have on the athletic website. But again, hats off to Jelani Woods, man. I know we talk about not rooting for teams and players. Like you root for the human, and he's a good human for sure. Good for him for opening up about that. I'm sure in some way it was therapeutic. Good for the Colts and DT. DT does a lot of that stuff behind the scenes that never makes the papers, the stories. And that's important stuff that you mentioned. These guys are real guys, and they're going through the same stuff a lot of us go through. Like you said, they have the spotlight. And had a great day in the pass catching department yesterday, and for those of you that do not want to read about the same type of loss you've read about so many times this season, I would encourage you to check out James' story, which is completely different. And it's important to understand who these guys are and what makes them tick and how they deal with the same things that we all deal with that are the hardest parts of life, for lack of a better phrase. Good to see Jelani play the way he did last all night. Out. Um, almost 100 yards. I told him he had to get. I was like, man, you got to get. I said like, you had to get skinny and get two one yards. And he's like, he's laughing about. It. He's like, man, like I tried, but if anything, I mean, he he looked like a baller, seriously. And, and then you know, it's. I mean, that's one of the underrated storylines of this season. There's been so many things to talk about, but like that dude was not good in camp. He looked lost. <laughs> he dropped a ball yeah. every day, and he has really stepped up, starting with that Chiefs game. And he's been a bright spot amid a season of a lot of darkness. And with Granson, you can get some yards after the catch. And then I don't want to forget about Drew Ogletree, who was tremendous in camp for a fifth or sixth round pick or whatever he was. They've got some young talent at tight end. But again, who's throwing them the ball? We That's will find out we'll have to answer. soon enough. <laughs> for now, though, it's Matt Ryan who, you know, Jeff said it did, did, did mention that. Like, there's no more quarterback changes. He was asked that question. I know I got a couple mentions about that on Twitter. Sam Ellinger, I don't expect to see him again this season. I expect to see Matt Ryan the rest of the way. Unless Micah Parsons gets to Matt Ryan in a violent way next week, which could happen because they're going to move him around. Yeah. And can the Colts block him? I don't know if anybody can block him, but they got a tough one Sunday night in Dallas. Again, America wins. The Colts are on primetime again next week. Then they'll go to Minnesota after the bye. Then they'll have another Monday night game at home against the L.A. Chargers and Justin Herbert. And then they'll travel to – how lucky are we, James? We get to spend New Year's Eve in New York City – and then the Colts play the Giants in New Jersey the following day. So last road trip of the year. I'm going to stay as far away from Times Square <laughs> as I possibly can because I think it's going to be a disaster. But, hey, I've always wanted to be in New York on New Year's Eve, so here's my chance. I'm going to see the ball drop. No, I'm not. I'm going to watch it from a hotel room. <laughs> I, I think I might be. <laughs> I'm going to watch it from my hotel room. But, you know, hey, we're going to stick it out, obviously. There's no running from this. And I do you know, want to say we appreciate everyone reading our, our stuff, following our stuff, you know, listening to us. You know, we can't do what we do without you all. But, yeah, it definitely is a season that in more ways than not, you're going to remember just because of how things have kind of gone down. Like I keep saying, you know, it might be the season you want to forget. But no, like 
You're going to remember the the day that, uh, you know, Jeff Saturday was hired, Matt Ryan was benched and then, you know, unbenched and other things like that. And and we'll see. Maybe there'll be some other uh, pieces that we kind of start to really evaluate. You know, Alec Pierce kind of been quiet as of late. We'll see if he comes on again and others. But there have been some bright spots. It's just, you know, I, I guess the way I look at it is it's not enough to keep this thing together as it is now. Kind of got to strip it and, and rebuild. But there are some like Jelani, Alec Pierce. Obviously, Pittman had a, a pretty big day as well. First touchdown catch since week one yesterday. And so there are pieces there. It's just, you know, how do you know, do, do you just how do you reset and where do you go from here? So I'm glad I'm not getting paid to make those decisions because these are some big decisions that are looming over this team now and are becoming realer by the day because they're four, seven, and one. Four, seven, and one, five games to go. The playoffs are all but a certainty. Not gonna happen. Next up are the Dallas Cowboys, who are eight and three and are looking at a playoff spot, maybe a first-round buy in the NFC if they can catch Philly. But, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff coming. I've got a big, big, big story on a former Colt coming out either this week or next week that you're going to want to check out. It's a very different look yes. at yes. what football does to you when the game stops. And for those longtime fans, you are going to remember this name, and I hope you're going to remember this story. But we've got some more stuff, and it is time to start to pivot into – the real questions. And the real questions are not what's going to happen in these five games. It's what's going to happen after that. Who do they go after as a head coach? Does Chris Ballard remain the general manager? Does Jeff Saturday remain the head coach? What does this team look like? Because as you guys all saw last night, there are some serious inherent offensive flaws that need to be addressed in a major way in the offseason. But we'll get into all that. It's not going to be a quiet couple of months. We know that. Thank you, as always, for following along. Again, I would highly encourage you, if you're going to read one story today, go find James' story on Jelani Woods and what he's been through the last three weeks. Not just a shoulder injury, but, you know, finding out that he had lost three teammates from the University of Virginia. And then finding his way back to the field and and almost having a 100-yard day and a close loss to the Steelers. But that'll do it for 1% better or the lower quartile, or whatever the hell you want to call the podcast. Lord have mercy. Because the Colts haven't gotten 1% (laughs) better in a long time. But for James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. That'll do it for this one, and we will catch up with you guys when we get back from Dallas next week.